Welcome to the West Point Church Podcast. Here you can find past and future messages. Be sure to subscribe so you get updates as soon as those sermons are posted. I hope you guys enjoy it. Have a good week. Um, this morning is going to be a little bit different, okay? Are you okay with that? <laughs> I, I've been uh, preaching through the book of Acts, and we're going to continue to do that this morning, but I just want to have a little family chat this morning, okay? I want to talk to us as a church and let you know about some things that are coming up that are going on, some plans that we have. Um, but as we were worshiping this morning, I really felt impressed to just take a second before we jump into the message this morning and just just mention a few things that I am so grateful for in this church. Uh, Laura and I were just talking the other day and uh, after party on the patio last Wednesday, and we had uh, an amazing time. And if you were there, I mean... People were hanging out until, like, the mosquitoes were so thick, like, you'd kill four of them with one swat. And uh, it was just an amazing night, and it was so much fun. And, and we were just like, you know, what kind of a church does this? Like, I, people, we just love being together and fellowshipping together. And especially, like, in the current circumstances in our world, that is so rare. And I'm just so honored and privileged to pastor this church. We love being here. And, and there were just a few things that uh, the Holy Spirit brought to my mind as we were worshiping this morning. First of all, I love that this place is a place of worship. We, we know how to worship the Lord at this church. Uh, I mean, we worship passionately. Uh, every Sunday, I get excited to come into the, the presence of God with the family of God. And, and it's just just an incredible, dynamic place to be. And, and I know that not every church is like that, and we are blessed to have that. Uh, the second thing is that this church is a place of prayer. And we have a lot of prayer warriors at this church, and I am so grateful for that. You know, a couple months ago, uh, Teresa actually texted me, and she's like, hey, our internet isn't that great, so we can't get on the Zoom calls but I just want you to know that we're being faithful and I'm continuing to pray for you guys. And can I tell you, Teresa, that meant so much to me. And I know that there are, are people like that that are continually um, spending time in God's presence and praying and interceding on behalf of our church and our people. And this is a church that believes in prayer. Um, another thing that, that's incredible about West Point is, is how many young people that we have here. You know, our world, if, if you listen to all the statistics and all the reports, um, young people aren't serving the Lord today. Uh, there's a, in the United States, there's a, an incredible walking away from faith in the younger generation, but we are blessed with a thriving um, young group of people, and, and I'm so grateful for that. You know, many of them are actually gone today because they're such good friends. They, they take their vacations together, and uh, you know, that's such a blessing that we have a, a group of people that are, are dedicated, that are um, going against what our culture is, is ultimately headed towards, and, and there's hope in that, and there's encouragement in that. Uh, I'm, I'm thankful for the families that we have here at church, too. I, in case you didn't notice, there are little people running around this church like crazy. And, and right now, in a time where we don't even have, like, kids' ministry available, like, 
it's incredible how our families are committed to being here and being a part of things and, um, you know, making that sacrifice. And so uh, it's, it's a blessing to see all these kids that are growing up learning to serve and honor Jesus Christ. And the last thing that the Holy Spirit brought to my mind is this church is a committed church. Um, I just met with uh, a bunch of pastors this week for a prayer meeting in our section and our, our district leadership. And, and one of the things that I realized is like what we're experiencing here um, in this like post-COVID shutdown type of church is, is a very different reality than what most churches are facing. Uh, I, I would say that right now, just talking to a lot of my friends who are pastoring the average church is experiencing about 30 to 60% of their normal church attendance. And that is tough, right? I mean, we're talking about buildings that are, that are really, really empty. And we've just seen our people so hungry to be back together and so hungry to worship together that uh, the, the concern in a lot of these churches is it, it, it really isn't about COVID anymore. It's about the fact that uh, they, they're just, they've gotten out of the habit of worshiping together, and it's a different time now, and, and, and they're worried that it's not going to come back to, to what it was. And so I'm so thankful that from the moment that we opened the doors, even having a drive-in service on Easter in the freezing cold I mean, we had our worship team like playing guitar out in 30-degree weather in the middle of a blizzard uh, and, and cars parked everywhere because we're just, as a church, so hungry to be together. And, and I'm so thankful for that. And, and throughout this process, I, I want to just uh, share some amazing <laughs> news here. Um, one of the things that so many churches are going through right now, and one of the things that, frankly, I was a little bit concerned about um, was our giving in this time. Um, like, you know, hey, we're not going to be meeting at, on, at our church building on a regular basis. And I know that, like, out of sight, out of mind is, is a reality sometimes. And I was a little bit nervous about, like, are, are we going to be able to, um, you know, support our staff and continue to pay our bills and, and do all that? And, and can I just say that the giving at West Point, we're actually ahead of where we were last year giving uh, this year. I, I, that's incredible news. And, and so thank you for your faithfulness in that area. Thank you for your commitment there. Even though many of you are going through a hard time, I know some, some in our church have lost jobs, uh, but thank you for being faithful to what God has blessed you with. Uh, we are in, in a, an incredible place here at West Point Church, and we are poised to really see uh, something incredible happened through what God wants to do with us. I don't even know what it is yet. <laughs> and um, what I'm going to share this morning is a little bit of some of the plans that we've started to put in place. But can I tell you something? We don't know if our plans are going to work out the way that, that we want them to. We're making plans because we're trying to be faithful. But uh, we don't know if, um, I know like this week, California received word that there's going to be another shutdown, and uh, they're supposedly closing their churches again. Um, Texas even announced that they're going 
four weeks of distance learning at the beginning of the year. And so we don't know what our world holds for us in the future. We're making plans and saying, okay, God, here's what we're planning to do, but we're going to be flexible as we go forward. And if things change and times change, then we're ready to change with those times because we just want to see the gospel continue to be proclaimed and preached And we want to see people transformed for God's kingdom. We want to see um, people set free from sin and brokenness. We want to see people be healed from sickness and disease. You know, this is why we're here as a church. And so whatever parameters we need to put in place, however we need to operate in order to do that, we're going to continue to do what God has called us to do, to bring people into relationship with Jesus Christ, to bring people into a community and a family of a body of believers, and to continue to fulfill the mission that God has given us to make disciples of all nations. So um, with that being said, I want to let you know a few things that we're planning for the fall. And like I said, these are contingent on, um, you know, whatever restrictions or guidelines we have in place. But um, one of the things that we've talked a lot about is, is kids' ministry and uh, how we're planning to, to reopen that. And so beginning um, the week after Labor Day, the second week in September, uh, we are planning to reopen our kids' ministry on Sunday mornings uh, with elementary and uh, early childhood. It may just be in second service. We haven't decided that yet, but that's one option that we're looking at initially. And then um, adding early childhood to first service again Uh, later down the road. So that is kind of where we're headed. With that, um, we're we're going through some transition, obviously, with uh, Pastor Jake and Kirsten um, leaving last week, and and want you to know that we're going to have some new leadership in place, and we'll be letting you know very soon um, what that's going to look like. Um, But we're excited about where God is leading us with our kids' ministry, and uh, we're excited to uh, pour into our, our kids as well and, and um, continue to see them grow in their faith too. And then um, small groups, uh, you know, I think during this time where uh, smaller gatherings are something that's, that's really being encouraged, this, this is a great opportunity, uh, I think, for us to really invest in our small group ministry. And so we, we are planning on this fall uh, relaunching our small groups ministry. And so if you are interested in leading a small group or you've led one in the past and you want to continue to do that, um, I'd love to talk to you and let's let's plan a little bit. We're, we're planning some things to really make that uh, more effective as uh, for you as, as leaders and to help you in that process and give you the tools that you need. But I believe this with all my heart. Every person who attends West Point Church should be a part of a small group. And I think the reason that's so important is, it one, it gives you an opportunity to have people who know you, who have relationship with you, who can speak truth into your life. And it gives you an opportunity to be a minister as well. God has called each one of us not to just... Um, be a, a Christian that just receives, but he's called us to not only be a disciple, but to go and make other disciples. And, and we do that in community. And so it's, it's so important to have those relationships with people. And, and we're going we're gonna to invest in these small groups as an opportunity 
for us to do that. Um, and then uh, the third thing is missions. Um, at the beginning of this year, before all this craziness happened, uh, I made a commitment, as, as we normally do, to Priority One, which is an organization that we've partnered with that builds Bible colleges all over the world. And uh, so we made a commitment to them as well. In the past, uh, I'd say five years, I think we've given around $60,000 uh, to this organization to build Bible schools. And um, they are doing an incredible job um, in the process of church planning. A lot of what we've given, last year we gave about $11,000, $12,000, something like that, uh, to a Bible college in Tanzania. And uh, this year we want to do that again. And so uh, we're going to be raising those funds again, and, uh, and we're excited about that. Um, our youth are going to be raising funds for Speed the Light again. And, and last year, I mean, they gave an incredible amount to Speed the Light. And so I want you to be aware that even though this is a kind of weird time, and uh, this is a maybe financially challenging time for many of us, uh, the reality is that, that God still wants to advance and build his kingdom. Do you know that the Assemblies of God World Missions uh, program was developed during the Great Depression? And today it's one of the largest organizations in the world. It, it grew at an incredible rate in the 1920s. I mean, that, that's unbelievable. Right. So God, if, if in the 1930s, I should say, God can do this. If he could do it then, he can, he can continue to do that right now, too, as, as we're going through a hard time. And so we need to be faithful in that as well. And, and I believe that God will honor our faithfulness to that, too. Uh, our Unite Prayer Service is another thing that um, we haven't been able to do for a while. And, and this past month, we had an, just an awesome worship night in July. We just came together just to hear the voice of the Lord and, and to worship together. And we're going to do that again in August, and then starting in September, we're going to go back to our regular um, Unite Prayer services. We're going to have missionary guests, and I uh, get to hear from them, and so we're excited about that. I've already got a couple on the schedule for this fall, and then um, in November, uh, we're planning to do something similar to um, what we did with the Bible Project. If you remember that, in January, uh, we did um, some evening classes on a on Monday night, and we just had a, a great time together, and uh, it was just just so great. We were planning to do another one in April, and because of all this stuff, we ended up pushing that off. But we're gonna we're gonna study on Sunday mornings during the month of November uh, the Apostles' Creed and, and those belief statements in that. Uh, Creed, and then we're going to talk about some other doctrinal things, and we're going to do classes on on Monday night, and so plan be thinking about that, planning to be a part of that as well. Um, these are all things that, that we have in the works, and I want to let you know about them, and then I want to let you know that they are you know up for adjustment and change as our world changes and we adjust as well, and we're okay with that because we know that the Holy Spirit. He, he can lead us through this, okay? So if we have to adjust our plans, uh, it's not something that's surprising to God. It's not something that's going to throw him off, okay? Uh, it might throw us off a little bit, but we're going to walk with the Spirit and listen to his voice and be ready for what he has for us. So 
with that being said, I want to jump into our passage this morning. We're going to be um, picking it up in Acts 15. And if you remember last week, we talked about Acts chapter 12, um, and we went through that passage of Scripture, and we read through the entire chapter. And we're going to skip all the way to chapter 15. So before we get into that, I want to just kind of give you a heads up on what's going on in the church in those chapters in 13 and 14 that we skipped. And it's really the beginning of uh, the Apostle Paul's ministry. Um, he, he's, remember, we talked about Saul on the road to Damascus a couple of weeks ago and how he was blinded by a light and God's voice spoke to him from the sky and, and he was converted on the road to Damascus and then he, he was blinded and then uh, Ananias came and prayed for him and uh, he was healed and he began to follow Christ and it started out, he started attending this church that had begun in Antioch and the Holy Spirit told the church in chapter 13, hey, you need to send Paul and Barnabas on a mission. And so in the middle of chapter 13, Luke starts referring to Saul as Paul. And I don't think that's just a coincidence. It says that he was also known as Paul in that chapter. But I think there's, there's something that happened when, when Saul was called into ministry, when he was called into apostleship, um, he needed a new name because he was putting his past behind him and moving forward with the new direction that God had given to him. So from then on, he's referred to as Paul in the book of Acts. And uh, so Paul and Barnabas started traveling and preaching together and teaching and uh, they experienced some incredible things. And then up to chapter 15, uh, they were doing that until they returned to Jerusalem for the first big meeting of this early church. Now, remember, this, this, the church is not old at this point, all right? Uh, like, they, they haven't had a big um, meeting yet. They haven't had any um, doctrinal statements or anything like that because, like, it just began with, with 12 guys and some some followers of Jesus and a couple sermons were preached, a couple thousand people got saved. And so you can imagine, like, they have a whole lot of spiritually immature Christians, right? Brand new believers, people from all different backgrounds coming together, and now this church exists, and there's this kind of first... Um, difficult topic that, that they're having to wrestle with and that they need to call the leadership of this church together to work out uh, this challenging issue. And uh, the thing that we're going to talk about this morning, um, the biggest meeting in this very short history of this church is exactly what you think it would be about, circumcision. Right? Like, I mean, that makes sense. So, yeah, like, we're going to get together, and the one thing we're going to talk about is circumcision. And um, now you would think <laughs> that this would be a little thing, but what we discover is that as we look at this text, the question uh, that they're addressing here is really bigger than, than circumcision. It's the foundation of what we believe as Christians. And so let's, let's take a look at this passage of Scripture together. We're going to start in verse 1. 
chapter 15. It says, But some men came down from Judea and were teaching the brothers, Unless you are circumcised according to the custom of Moses, you cannot be saved. Okay, so circumcision was a Jewish custom. And, it, and so the Jewish people in the early church would be circumcised, right? That is a logical conclusion. But in addition to Jewish people, now because the gospel has been spreading, right? Remember, Jesus' call was to preach in Jerusalem and then Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And it started spreading to the ends of the earth. And you have all these Gentiles, the non-Jews that are being saved, that are coming to faith and that haven't been raised in Jewish customs and haven't been following the law the way that a Jewish person would have. And so you have these Jewish Christians that are beginning to teach, well, yes, uh, you are a follower of Jesus now, but if you want to continue to follow Christ, in addition to that, you need to start following these Jewish customs, beginning with circumcision. How many know that's not a little ask, okay? Like, that's kind of a big deal. Um, and after Paul and Barnabas, verse 2, after Paul and Barnabas had no small dissension or debate with them, that means that they had a big fight, okay? I don't know why they don't just say it that way. That's a nice way of saying they argued a lot. We don't argue in the church anymore, right? Like, we get along and agree on everything. <laughs> there's, no, there's no challenging topics for Christians anymore because they worked it all out in this first council. <laughs> but after this, this big blow-up with Paul and Barnabas um, and some of the others, they were, they were appointed to go up to Jerusalem to the apostles and elders about this question. And so being sent on their way by the church, they passed through both Phoenicia and Samaria, describing in detail the conversion of the Gentiles and brought great joy to all the brothers. When they came to Jerusalem, they were welcomed by the church and the apostles and the elders. Now, this is a big deal because not very long ago, Paul had been killing them. All right, he was hunting them down and having them executed. He was the one that was responsible for the stoning of Stephen, which we talked about a few weeks ago. One of like the most important leaders in our church. This guy was appointed by the apostles to manage um, caring for those who were in need. He was a key leader in the church, and Paul had him killed. And now the church is welcoming him. That is an incredible testimony to what the Holy Spirit is doing inside the church, that they're willing to accept him and welcome him. And they declared all that God had done with them. But some believers who belonged to the party of the Pharisees rose up and said, it is necessary to circumcise them in order to keep the law of Moses. The apostles and the elders were gathered together to consider this matter. And after there had been much debate, Peter stood up and said to them, now Peter is, is really the leader at this point. He said, brothers, you know that in the very early days, God made a choice among you. That by my mouth, the Gentiles should hear the word of the gospel and believe. And God 
who knows the heart bore witness to them by giving them the Holy Spirit just as he did to us. Now, this is really important to understand. Um, today, in, in our world, there are more denominations than we could name here on a Sunday morning. There are so many different beliefs and different opinions, and there are some that are have even wandered away from Christian faith, and, and there are others um, that are some that are conservative in some areas, and, and, and all of these different things. And Peter says, listen, here's, here's what makes them real believers. The work of the Spirit in their life. The way that the Holy Spirit filled them just like he did us. And he made no distinction between us and them, having cleansed their hearts by faith. Now, therefore, why are you putting God to the test by placing a yoke on the neck of the disciples that neither our fathers nor we have been able to bear? But we will believe that we are saved through the grace of the Lord Jesus, just as they will. And all the assembly fell silent. And they listened to Barnabas and Paul and related what signs and wonders God had done through them among the Gentiles. And after they finished speaking, James replied, Brothers, listen to me. Simeon has related how God first visited the Gentiles to take them, to take from them a people for his name. And with this, the words of the prophets agree, just as it was written, after this, I will return and I will rebuild the tent of David that has fallen. I will rebuild its ruins and I will restore it that the remnant of mankind may seek the Lord. And all the Gentiles who are called by my name, says the Lord, who makes these things known from of old. And therefore, my judgment is that we should not trouble those of the Gentiles who turn to God. Isn't that an incredible statement? He's saying, listen, the same thing that saved us saved them. It was by the grace of Jesus Christ, by his forgiveness, that they are saved. And if we put anything else on them, if we add to the, the burden uh, of faith anything else, then we're changing the message of the gospel. This is not about circumcision, right? This is about trying to add to the grace of Jesus Christ. It's about trying to qualify someone's salvation by adding to it something that God had never intended. But what should we tell them? What should we tell these Gentiles? Like, what's important? Uh, well, he goes on to say, but we should write to them to abstain from things that are polluted by idols. And I'll explain what that means in a second here. From sexual immorality 
and from what has been strangled and from blood. Uh, For from ancient generations, Moses has had in every city those who proclaim him. For he is read every Sabbath in the synagogues. All right. So a couple of things that I want us to notice. Um, The first thing is that Jesus plus anything else isn't Christianity anymore. Okay? We need to be clear and simple about this. Because this is still a problem in the church today. Uh, We still get wrapped up in legalism. We still get wrapped up in adding things to faith. And the truth of Scripture tells us that we are saved by the grace of Jesus Christ and by faith alone. Now, faith does something inside of us, and faith produces works, but let's not get it confused. Scripture is more than clear that we are saved by faith alone. Can I tell you something? That is such a relief and such good news because you can't mess it up, right? You can't fall short because of your behavior. When you place your faith in Jesus Christ, that refining process is the work of the Holy Spirit. It's not your effort. It's not your problem. It's what he's doing inside of you. And all that's required of us is to submit to him in faith. And he refines us. And he works on us. And he makes us new. And so if you're trying to add anything to that process and like, okay, God, I know you love me if I fix this, you're getting it wrong. And and the truth is you're imprisoning yourself to that behavior for the rest of your life. But if you choose to follow Christ in faith and place your faith in him and trust in the grace of God, that, that his righteousness has been given to you as a free gift, When we get that, when we understand that, it releases inside of us the ability to change the way that we act and the way that we behave. Because now we're walking by the Spirit instead of by the flesh. It is so important that we understand the proper order. Because we'll never have freedom if we're trying to do it on our own. It's only by the work of his spirit that that we get to that point where we start to mature in our faith, where we start to grow, where we start to become uh, healthy, that that salvation um, in our soul and the things that God is working out in us on a continual basis, that only happens when we understand that our hope is in the grace of Jesus Christ. this This is why... Peter and why Paul was so strong on this topic. If we add a burden in addition to placing our faith in Jesus Christ, then we're missing out on the amazing work of his salvation, of what he's done for us. The second thing is is what they instructed these new Gentile um, believers to do. And I want you to to see the wording. Um, So he's saying, listen, we don't want to ask them to be circumcised because that doesn't accomplish anything here other than a lot of pain. And and, I mean, we're not talking about like like today where um, we have local anesthesia and, and, um, you know, 
proper medical tools and, and stuff like that for for surgeries like this would be an incredibly painful and dangerous ask okay and Peter's saying listen that doesn't have anything to do with why we're saved but here's what we should tell them to do and and, and this might seem kind of contradictory if you look at it at first it's like okay but tell them to abstain from things polluted by idols. Now, this was a reoccurring theme throughout Scripture in the New Testament that uh, there was this question of whether it's okay to eat food that was offered to idols. Now, I want you to understand like what this is all about. You see, there were um, people who believed in false gods, and so they would bring offerings of, of perfectly good food and set them at the feet of an idol as a sacrifice to them. The food would eventually spoil and rot as it sat there, but it was an offering to a false god. And the Christians were like, hey, you know what? We're here, and we're struggling to find food. Many of us are starving right now, and here's this perfectly good food that's being offered to this god that doesn't exist, and it's just going to spoil. And, and so the question was like, is that okay for us to eat? And, and I, you know, the conclusion that Scripture comes to is there's nothing inherently wrong with eating that food just because it's been offered to an idol, to a false god that, that we know is not real. Like, it would, there's nothing inherently wrong in doing that. But the problem is the one who offered that food would see Christians eating that food and would feel offended by that. And so Paul says, if it offends someone else, don't do it. Because they need Christ too. And you might be missing an opportunity to share the love of Christ with them. And so when we read this, to have that proper understanding of what they're talking about here, they're not saying, don't do this because it will send you to hell or because it's wrong or, or, or anything like that. It's because you're going to hurt your testimony. You're going to hurt your ability to share the gospel with somebody else. So don't do that. And then sexual immorality, we know that that's clear from Scripture, that, that's, that it's, it's, not, uh, it, it's more about that protection, that, that God has a plan for us. Um, to live in purity and to walk in purity, and he knows what's best for us. And so this is harmful to you as a believer if you're walking in sexual immorality. Um, it's not about adding that so that you're saved. It's about living a life that is, is beneficial and pleasing to God and, and, and healthy and better for yourself as well. And then uh, same thing with from that which has been strangled and from blood. So that, that has to do with Old Testament law as well. And they're saying, listen, if we can avoid offense and we can do things that will help people feel more comfortable and will receive the gospel in a more effective way, then we're encouraging you to do that. And this won't be harmful for you. It'll be helpful for you. You see, one of the things being a Christian entails is understanding that we live and we walk in absolute freedom. That we have been set free from the bondage of sin and death. That we have been set free from the consequences of sin and death. But as believers, we limit our freedom 
and we lay down our freedom so that we can reach others. That's exactly what Jesus did for us. He gave everything. He sacrificed himself. He sacrificed his life and laid it down so that we could experience that life. And as we follow his example, as he knelt and washed his disciples' feet, which was a demeaning act, right? He was placing himself in the position of the lowest of the lowest servants as he did that. And he chose to show what faith was all about by humbling himself and by serving his disciples and washing their feet. And that's the command that he gives to us. It's not that we can't do it. It's not that, that it's law anymore, that we're restricted by our behavior, but we choose sometimes to limit our freedom so that we can reach more for the kingdom of God. That's his heart. That's what it's all about. So that's why he's giving these instructions to the new Gentile believers. You know, church, uh, there are going to be times where we're going to be asked to do things that we don't necessarily like, that we don't necessarily enjoy, but sometimes we do them. We limit our freedom to reach others. You know, what's incredible, as divisive as this issue was here, you know what one of the most divisive issues in the church is today? Yeah, can, can I just say something uh, real clearly? I don't want to wear one of these. I'll be honest, I don't. I, 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 the idea, I, I, just, I just don't like it. I don't like it on my face. It's annoying to me. I don't want to wear one. But can I tell you something? If I have to wear one of these so that we can continue to reach people and share the gospel with people and preach the gospel of Jesus Christ and impact lives, then I will lay down my freedom in a heartbeat in order to do that. Let's not let a stupid thing like a mask divide us and stop us from fulfilling what God has called us to do. Just like circumcision could have been a huge stumbling block for the early church, listen, we can get bent out of shape about the dumbest things. All right? Let's not let the enemy win because we're will, unwilling to limit our freedom so that we can reach more people for Christ. I don't know if they're going to institute a, a mask rule in the state of Minnesota. I don't know if they're going to restrict our gatherings, if they're going to implement more social distancing measures. Whatever they decide, though, can I tell you something? We're going to continue to do whatever we can to continue to reach people for the gospel of Jesus Christ. If that means wearing a stupid mask, we're going to wear a stupid mask, okay? And if that means um, spacing the chairs out more or putting more hand sanitizer stations up or scanning people's forehead with thermometers, whatever it takes, listen, we're going to continue to do that so that we can continue to build the kingdom of God because that's what he's called us to do. So let's not be divided by something simple like that. You know, we can, uh, I, I've, had, I've heard several people say that 
um, forcing people to wear masks is persecution. Can I just be real frank right now? That's insulting to people who really have persecution. There are Christians all over the world that are, are meeting, that are fearful for their lives when they gather together, okay? Wearing a mask is not persecution. You might not like it, and that's fine if you don't like it. I don't like it either, okay? But let's not, let's not get it confused here. There are many people that are dealing with far, far worse. Let's not insult them by, by calling having to wear a mask persecution. But let's be willing to lay down our freedom so that we can reach others. That's what, that's what they called the early church to do. Brand new believers, Gentile believers, they said, hey, listen, here's some things that you can do to better reach the world for Christ. And I'm calling us as a church to be willing to do the same things. I don't know what the future holds. I don't know what church is going to look like in the next few weeks, much less the next few years. But I can tell you this. We are going to continue to see God's kingdom be built in our world. Whatever it takes, we're willing to do it.